lesson is, uh, as you look at the title, we've, this series about truth and dare, the, the uh, matter of the spiritual battle that we face in our lives, and we're, this series has surrounded the life of David in the Bible, and uh, today's lesson I've entitled, Dare to Stay Clean, and uh, hopefully you'll see this, you'll understand it. One of the things that uh, God, God, the Bible says that God is a holy God and God wants us to be a holy people. Part of, of this matter of being holy is that uh, we should try to keep our lives pure. We should try to keep our lives clean. God wants to use us and God can only use a vessel that, as the Bible says, that's meat for the master's use. And uh, God doesn't use dirty vessels. And uh, we're going to see from David's life an incident that many of us are very familiar with. Maybe God will use this this morning just either to remind us or maybe uh, to, to, to arrest our attention about something. Or it may be preventative for some of us uh, in the future. But again, I want you to take a look at these verses in 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah but David tarried still at Jerusalem and it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. The woman was very beautiful to look upon, and David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now this is, a, a, again, a portion of scripture that many of us have heard many, many times. But as you think about this, I think it's easy for us to understand that we live in a world today that is very carnally minded. When you study the Bible, there are really three kinds of people that you find in the Word of God, okay? The first kind is what the Bible calls the natural man. The natural man is a person that is born in sin and still is in sin. In other words, they have yet to come to know Christ as their Savior. They're an unsaved person. The Bible calls them the natural man, okay? The second kind of person you see in the Bible is a person that has trusted Christ, and that is a person that we would call a saved person or a Christian, uh, or sometimes they're referred to as a spiritual person, okay? Meaning that they are saved and they're living their life according to the Word of God. They're allowing the Spirit to control them in their lives. So you have a natural man, you have a spiritual man, and then there's a third group, and the third individual or third group that we find in the Bible is referred to as a carnal man. Now, carnal people are, many times, here's what you find in the Bible, they're saved people, 
but they're not living according to the Spirit. In other words, they're not living, they're not walking in the Spirit. They're allowing the flesh to control them. If you're familiar with your Bible, there's a, there's a, a book in our New Testament of our Bible called the book that we call 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul wrote that book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and one of the biggest reasons that he wrote that letter to the church in Corinth was at the time of the writing, those people that made up that church in Corinth, they were saved people, but that church was only about six years old. And you have to understand, how many of you would say this about you, that when you got saved, that along with when you got saved, that, that you had some baggage in your life. In other words, you had lived in the world, you had experienced some things, and then God saved you. How many of you are like that? I think almost every hand. Some of you maybe didn't have your hand up. Maybe you were saved at a very young age, and you really don't remember a lot about living without the Lord. And, and by the way, that's a great testimony. I, I wish I'd have got saved at a very young age. And that's why we have children's ministries here at our church, to try to reach children before they start to taste all the things of this world. But when, when Paul wrote to that church in Corinth, that church was a, was a, a body of believers who were carnally minded. If you read through 1 Corinthians, you find a lot of issues that, that Paul was having to deal with or that the Holy Spirit was having Paul write about. Now, the whole reason was to try to help them to understand that, listen, you're saved now. You shouldn't allow the flesh to control your life. Is everybody with me this morning? Does anybody besides me ever struggle with the flesh? Okay, okay. I think I'm talking to probably my peers this morning, okay? So David was the same way. David was a man that, you know, it was, he, he, he kind of lived at times in his life early on, kind of lived, the philosophy of the world today is if it feels good, do it, right? That's the philosophy of the world today. Now, that's not God's philosophy, but that's the world's philosophy, and, and all of that stems from a, a carnal uh, mindset, and people are they allow the flesh in their lives, and we need to, as Christians, remember that as we're saved, and I hope you get this now, okay, this is not a negative, it's a positive. God does place restrictions on us as we live in this world. How many of you would acknowledge that, okay? There are certain restrictions, and these restrictions in our lives, they're there for two reasons. One is because God loves us, and secondly, because God desires the best for us. So God places some restrictions in our lives. And we, as we live our lives, you probably have heard this said before, we are in this world, but we're not to be of this world. Okay? Do you get it? We're in this world. I mean, no doubt. But we're here today. We live in this world, but we're not to be of this world. There ought to be something distinctly different between a Christian and someone that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. There, there should be this difference. And in the Bible, one area is that we find is that, that God places some of these boundaries is in our physical relationships between men and women. Now, a lot of times you don't hear this because we live in a world that anything goes. 
I mean, people are just, I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're with this person, this person. People don't want to make a commitment when it comes to marriage. And we find this a lot in physical relationships between men and women. But we all know that God has established what we call the home or marriage and that the relationship between a man and a woman should take place within the confines or the boundaries of marriage. Remember the story with uh, when Mary was found to be with child? Remember what Joseph's response was? Joseph, Joseph was minded, he thought about it, to put her away privily. Why? Because he knew that he hadn't been with her yet, right? He's like, and by the way, remember, Mary struggled too. She's like, how can this be, seeing that I know not a man? So when you look at the Bible, one verse that, that I see in the book of Hebrews, look at it in your notes, Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now, just, just so you understand what God's saying there in Hebrews 13, those two words there in the last part of verse number 4, the word whoremonger describes people, and you need to understand this, it describes people who are regularly engaging in sexual immorality. That's what a whoremonger is. Now, you hear the first part of that word in our world today, you just don't hear whoremonger, all right? It, that's a Bible word that God gave us. These are people that they're just always engaging in sexual immorality, and God says, look, marriage is honorable in all the bed undefiled. He says, but I'm going to judge those who are regularly engaging in sexual immorality. And the word that he uses here along with whoremonger is adulterers. And these are the two groups of people that God says he's going to judge. Now, an adulterer is someone that is married, okay? They're married to a, a husband or a wife, but these married people are having relationships, physical relationships with somebody other than their husband or their wife. And that's, that's what God says. God says, I'm going to judge these people. Now, one thing I know is true is that Satan works overtime to try to destroy the home. Would you agree with that this morning? I mean, look, the husband doesn't want you to have a happy marriage. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The devil is working overtime to, to drive wedges between husbands and wives and, and, and all, all these types of situations. It, the, the, Satan will take what is good, and he will take that which is good, and he'll move it out of its place. And that's what happened in David's life. David, like so many people in the world today, David made a series of decisions. That, that's what we're going to look at today. It all starts, like last year, our theme was choose. David made a series of decisions that led David towards disaster. And so when we look at this passage in this matter of of daring to be clean in our lives, I think it gives us a pretty vivid picture of the good and the bad. So notice how David's situation started. It started with the word or the action called a, the deliance. Now, maybe you've never heard of the word deliance before, but here's what it means. It means a waste of time, and it's done in a frivolous matter. In other words, have you ever heard the word dawdle, right? Some of you may have heard the word dawdle. In other words, the Bible says this was a time that kings actually went out to war. But what did David do? David tarried at Jerusalem. David was king. David should have been out there leading into battle, but David chose to stay in Jerusalem. 
He was where he should not have been. And so many times, here's what happens is that people find themselves in a frivolous matter, wasting time. The Bible tells us to redeem the time because the days are evil. In this situation, like in so many, Satan deceives people into thinking that somehow we can dabble with sin and it doesn't have any long-range effects in our lives. You know, it's a, it, it, the old adage, you know, if you're going to play with fire, what's going to happen? You're going to get burned. You know, I, I've known many people that thought that they could play with fireworks. And some of those people are missing fingers now. Because they would hold those inch and a half firecrackers in their hands, light them, and think they could hold it long enough watching the fuse and then throw it at the last minute only to realize that sometimes they go off before the fuse is gone. See, that Satan deceives people. And, and look, here's what happens is we think that we can have all the pleasures without any penalties. But what does the Bible tell us? The wages of sin is death. See, there's always a price tag on sin. We think we can, like David, in, in the heat of a moment, in the passion of a moment, David never saw the end from the beginning. He couldn't foresee the consequences of his sin with this woman by the name of Bathsheba. And look what the Bible says in Luke 14, 28. This is a verse that we should take to heart. It says, which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? You know what I do? And I have an appointment this afternoon with a couple that, that has called and said, uh, Pastor, would you, would you marry us? And I told them, I said, well, if you want to come today, I said, I'll sit down and talk with you. And, uh, it, it, you know, I, I always tell couples when they come to me and ask about marriage, I, 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 don't, I don't discourage them from getting married. But I also, I, I, many times what I'll do is I'll talk to them because marriage is an institution of God that should not be entered into lightly. See, none of you are going to go build a tower. I mean, maybe you will. I don't know. But if you're going to do anything, if you're going to buy a car, hopefully you're going to count the cost. If you're going to buy a house or build a house, hopefully you're going to, you're going to try to figure out what it's going to cost. If, if you're going to, whatever it is in your life, look, a wise person will sit down and say, okay, what's this going to cost us? And that's what the Bible says here, is that we need to count that cost. If David would have counted the cost when he was on his roof where he shouldn't have been, and he saw something that he shouldn't have seen, everything would have turned out completely different if David would have counted the cost. Are, are you understanding this morning? We've got, to, we've got to think about it, because somebody said it this way, and I love this statement, sin will take you farther than you intended to go, it'll keep you longer than you intended to stay, and it'll cost you more than you intended to pay. Is that not true about sin? I mean, it's, that's the way sin is. Sin is not our friend, okay? And we allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies. And look, we've been delivered from sin. We shouldn't allow sin to have control in our lives. Jesus Christ has given us the victory. But many times what happens is we allow ourselves, and it comes through the deliance. We allow ourselves 
to, do, to be somewhere and to do something or see something or be involved in something that we have no business being a part of. And so I want you to see two things about this wasting of time that David had. Number one, or letter A, there are sins of omission. Sins of omission. Look in verse number one again, what the Bible says here in, in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and verse number one. It came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they, they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. I mean, in David's life, the trouble could have been avoided if he would have been doing what he was supposed to be doing. Uh, again, David shouldn't have been there. David should have gone to battle. And, and in our lives, we do things sometimes that we should not do because we're not busy doing the things that we ought to be doing. Everybody heard what I said, right? See, we all know to, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him or her, it is sin. That's the Bible. So when we see this matter of, of David here, look, a real soldier like David or those that, Joab and those that went out to battle, look, the reason that we're doing this series is because when you got saved, understand that the battle began when you became a Christian. There's a spiritual battle. Again, I think you understand by now, the devil doesn't want you to live for the Lord. The devil doesn't want you to have a happy marriage. The devil doesn't want you to have a, a, a wonderful Christian life. It's a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness, folks. Look, if you're living for the Lord, I guarantee you, you know what I'm talking about this morning. The devil is alive and well, and he is not your friend. And as you think about this in our lives, look, when we got saved, why do you think God gave us the portion in the New Testament that says, put on the whole armor of God? Who wears armor? Soldiers. Guess what you are? You're a soldier of Jesus Christ. What did Paul describe about himself? He says, I fought a good fight. Sounds to me like if we're going to be a Christian, we're going to have to battle some things. Do you know why the cause of Christ is suffering today? Because Christians aren't fighting. We're not battling. What did Nehemiah do in his day? Hey, listen, somebody held on to the sword and the trial at the same time. They built the wall, yes, but they battled while they were building that wall. If we're going to do a work for God, guess what? We're going to have to battle some things in our lives. You're going to have to fight for your family. Hey, do you think your children and your grandchildren are worth fighting for? How about this? Do you think the Bible's worth fighting for? See, some things, if they're dear to us, and we know they're of God, we're going to have to battle for things. And a real soldier, think about this, understands that his or her training and his or her equipment are meant for the battlefield. God's given you the training that you have as a Christian, and God's given you the, the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen, God's given you the armor of God that you would stand, therefore, in the evil day. God says, look, you're going to have to battle and not stay at home. David's step to stay at home, it should have never happened. David, David should have realized, 
That's where I need to be. Instead of sending Joab, he should have said, come on, Joab, let's go. David should have went with them. One decision in David's life, just like in our lives, leads to another decision. And what we need to decide this morning is instead of staying at home, being where we shouldn't be, we need to go with God, we need to lead into battle, we need to be standing for the Lord in this day. Listen, that's what happened in David's life. And again, to him that knoweth to do, uh, to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So this sin of omission in David's life, here it is. David omitted to do what was right. Everybody get it this morning? The sin of omission. He omitted in his life, this is what I should be doing, this is what is right. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said years ago, he says, do right till the stars fall. It's never, listen, we, it's always right to do right. And we need to make sure that we are doing what God would have us to do. So notice the sins of omission, but notice we also see the sins of commission, okay? Because David omitted to do what was right, but then he started to do some, some things that were wrong. He began to commit some things, the sins of commission. David, he, he was up on his roof. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, the, the, the issue with that is he shouldn't have been there. He would have never been up on the roof. But when he was up there, what happened? He saw her. Then he sent for her. Then he sinned with her. You see the progression? Had he, had he not stayed, he would have never saw her. And if he, if he had not stayed, then he wouldn't have sent for her. And if he hadn't stayed, he wouldn't have sinned with her. See, it changes everything. Because David stayed where he shouldn't have. Satan will constantly throw things before our eyes. Anybody ever been sitting at a computer and something pop up on your computer that you did not put into your computer that you wanted to see? Has that ever happened? Yeah. Anybody ever been driving down the road and, and you're, you're just got your eyes on the road and you're trying to make sure that nobody's running into your car and there's something on a billboard that you didn't want to see, you know? Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you, Satan knows how to lay things out in front of us to tempt us. That's exactly what happened in David's life. One of the favorite tactics of the devil is the lust of the eyes. Look what the Bible says in James 1, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, and when lust hath conceived, these are God's words, it bringeth forth what? Sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Look, that's where we're going in our lesson. By the way, that's where David went in his life. David started with the deliance. He just started with this frivolous wasting of time, but eventually it, it led to destruction in, in his life. That's what's going to happen with sin. There's an awful price tag on sin. And we've got to see this. That's why it's so important that, that we dare to stay clean. When he saw Bathsheba, here's what he should have done. David should have done the exact same thing that Joseph did. Joseph said, look, you can have my coat. I'm out of here. Joseph fled. What did David do? David just kept watching. Then David says, look, Somebody go get her. David should have turned from this woman. Instead, he allowed the temptation, he allowed the lust to conceive, and it brought forth sin. Again, we think that we can handle. We, we think we can handle the sin. We think we can handle the consequences. 
The only way to avoid the consequences of sin, here it is, avoid sin. That's the only way you can handle the consequences is just simply avoid the sin. Look at Proverbs 3, 7. Let's say it together. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Let's read it again. Everybody look at it. Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise. <coughs> look, you, you and I, we cannot keep secrets from God. It's impossible. God's omniscient. He's all-knowing. God knows everything. David couldn't keep this from God. Joab and all his soldiers were gone. David was there by himself. But, but listen, David couldn't keep this. We know better. We know, listen, our sin, it brings shame to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you see a lot of stories. There's so many of them. I mean, it's not hard to pick a story or two on the news. You know, it's the social media. I mean, it's just unbelievable how fast things show up on social media. Anybody see the, uh, the owner of the San Francisco Giants and his wife fighting over the phone? Anybody see that one? That was just like two days ago. I don't, I don't even know the story. I don't want to know the story, <laughs> you know. But how many of you remember when the story hit the news about Tiger Woods? Remember what happened there? How many of us remember what happened with our former president, Bill Clinton? You know, it, it destroyed their marriages, but it also destroyed their lives, but it hurt everyone around them, right? I, I still believe, I, I still believe, to me, I believe that, that the, the, the office of the president of the United States should be a sacred office. And I believe it was tremendously damaged. And it's, by the way, it's still being damaged. You see, when you, when you look at the effects of sin, look what the Bible says in Luke 12, uh, these two verses. That servant which knew the Lord's will. Let's say that together. Knew. Okay. So the, the servant that knew the Lord's will. And prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. To whom men have committed much, of him they, shall, they will ask the more. Do you think that David had had a lot committed to him? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we might not be the king of Israel, but if we're saved this morning, God has committed much to every one of us. And the Bible says, unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. Look, folks, we've got, David needed to also in his life, we've got to ask God for strength when temptation comes. Because, look, it will. And when the temptation comes, the only way we're going to be able to avoid that is that God will strengthen us. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. We need God's strength. And I love the fact that he says, I'll never leave you. I'll, I won't forsake you. I'll, I'll, I'm always listening for my children, especially when they're going through something. 
Look what the Bible says. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Does everybody see that? God is faithful. He won't tempt you above that which you're able. By the way, God doesn't tempt us for evil. But there are going to be tests. There are going to be trials in our lives. And the Bible says here that God will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that we may be able to bear it. The reality is this. Listen, we cannot regularly put ourselves in the face of temptation without being affected. You play with that fire long enough, you're eventually going to get burned. It's just a reality. We need to stay away from those things. We need to stay out of those places. We need to stay close to God. And the problem is, is that there was the sin of omission in his life. David omitted what was right, but then there was the sins of commission. He was doing things that he should not be doing. He was in a place he should not have been. Everybody with me this morning? Okay. And all of that happens because you might not be familiar with the word deliance, but you are familiar with this matter of wasting time frivolously. All right? So notice what happened after the deliance. All right? Notice the second step is the defilement. See, with sin comes defilement. Sin makes us dirty, unclean. In other words, foul. That's what sin does. Uh, Isaiah, I know you know Isaiah 118, but I want you to see the emphasis this morning. Look at it. Isaiah said, though your sins be as scarlet. Don't focus on the next part of that statement. Look beyond it. Though they be red like crimson. You see the tainting in our lives, the defilement in our lives. I mean, look, we all know what the Lord can do. He, he can make them white as snow, Right? They shall be as wool. We know what the Lord can do. But this morning, let's focus on ourselves, who we really are. Because sin defiles, no matter how the devil labels sin, and he labels it many different ways, sin's ugly, is it not? It is. The devil puts a spin on it. You know, you know what sin does? And I know you've probably seen it. Sin will mark us. Sin will change us. I've seen it happen in so many lives. Look, there's no action without consequences. Uh, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Galatians 6, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So look here, it's our choice. God's given you the choice. To, to sow to the flesh or to sow to the spirit. It, it's, it's simply our choice. We can live according to the spirit in our lives or we can live according to the flesh. When we sow sin in our lives, the outcome, what we're going to reap is defilement. That's what happened in David's life. Look what Robert Murray McShane, listen to what he said. It is not great talents that God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. So I want you to see, look, I, 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 when I study the Word of God, here's what I find, letter A, is God's standards are high. And God doesn't apologize for that. God says, I'm a holy God. And so the standards that we find in the Word of God 
they were very high. Nathan, when you study the word of God here in 2 Samuel, Nathan, the man of God, he comes to David. He confronted David about his sin with Bathsheba, that David had broken a moral law and David had broken a marriage vow and how David, as the Bible says, he despised the commandment of the Lord. I mean, it's, it, it, look, it's never a, 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 a great day in your life when somebody comes to you and confronts you about some sin in your life. But God sent Nathan into David's life to do that. By the way, I've had people come to me and tell me about things in my life, things that are hard to hear, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'm glad that I've had some people that have come to me when I needed to hear something. And so Nathan comes to David, and David knew, look, just like many in David's day, and, and we should too, David knew one of those commandments that God had given in the book of Exodus, the commandment says, thou shalt not commit adultery. David knew that. I mean, there was no getting around it. Sin defiles a person's judgment. David should have heeded his own uh, words there in Psalm 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I knew a person one time that on their computer at their work desk, right above the screen, they actually printed that out and taped it right above their computer screen, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. So it was always there as a reminder that if something comes up, immediately look away. Click off of that. And, and, and David should have saw that God's standard was much higher, that God urges us to, to, in our lives, look, when, when the evil comes, and it will, okay, we, we have to be aware of it, we have to see it coming, and we have to avoid it. Look at the Bible, says, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, when you drive down the road, look, if you see a sign that says bridge is out, do you just keep driving? I hope not. You know, I mean, make the decision, uh, okay, I saw the sign, you know, and sometimes God will, will, will show us signs. You know, if you're saved this morning, the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? And the Holy Spirit is going to guide us in what? Truth. And, and remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. So the Holy Spirit's going to guide us in the way that we should go. And many times the Holy Spirit is saying to us, don't go there, don't watch that, don't talk to her. You know, <coughs> look, sometimes, sometimes what we do is, is it, we don't realize, but we start carrying on conversations, even as men sometimes at work, with, with uh, somebody of the opposite sex, and there's nothing intended there, but oftentimes the signals are there. Okay, this is not just a casual conversation, you need to see that. You need to avoid that. The prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. Not only was David's judgment defiled, but David's heart was defiled. Listen, David, when this happened, you have to understand this, that if David was close to God and David was in fellowship with God, because of the sin, because of the defilement, David's fellowship with God was broken. Do you get that this morning? 
That's what sin does. Sin breaks our fellowship because God's holy. God cannot fellowship with somebody that is living in sin. And, and this fellowship that David enjoyed, it, it, listen, the sin, the defilement affected his heart. His fellowship was broken, but it wasn't until David eventually realized what he had done that David repented of his sin and his fellowship with God was, aren't you glad that your fellowship can be restored back with God? You know, the story of the prodigal, that look, yes, the son left and walked away, but the father never stopped looking for his son to return. Look at these words, some of the sweetest words in Psalm 51. Hide thy face from my sins, blot out all my iniquities, create in me a clean heart, O God, <clears throat> and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. David's crying, he's pouring his heart out to God. God, listen, I, I am sorry, I'm so sorry for what I did for the sin and the defilement. Look, God cannot ignore sin. And when we do sin, what happens is our fellowship with God is broken, but we can, like David, we can repent of our sins and we can restore that fellowship back with our loving Father. So notice God's standards are high, but I see secondly, God's vessels need to be holy. As you think about this matter of being a clean vessel, Okay, look at the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, this is the will of God. And by the way, when you see that statement, you ought to underline it or pay attention to it because when God tells us in his word, this is my will for you, that's something that we ought to sit up and take notice. And what is it? It says, even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. What's a vessel? Vessel is something that holds something. Remember what the Bible says? You're not bought with, he says, you're bought with a price. He says, therefore, glorify God in your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. See, God says, this is, this is my will for you that you understand that I'm holy and I want you to be holy. I want you to be clean. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, you are not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We need to provide a holy habitation for God's Holy Spirit. What did Jesus do when he came into the house of God and the money changers had set up in the temple? What did he do? He overthrew the tables, didn't he? He says, this is my father's house, and you've made it a den of iniquity. See, that, that ought not have been happening in the house of God. Well, listen, the church is not a building, it's the people of God. The habitation of God's Holy Spirit today lives within you. And God says, look, I want you to understand something. I want you to, 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 to be a child of God <clears throat> that my spirit feels welcome in your life. I understand my, my standards are high, but understand this, that you need to be a holy people. Peter, or, uh, Paul wrote to, to 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy there, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified meat for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. You know, the Lord's already conquered sin. 
what we need to try to do in our lives is don't let sin be the master of our lives. So David, he got himself in trouble because he was wasting time. He was where he was and he shouldn't have been there. And he saw something that he shouldn't have seen and he committed something that he should have never done. And it led to defilement. But notice the last step was, I see the disaster. This decision that David made, it was ultimately to disobey God. One act of David's life and if you take the time, watch this. There are many verses and chapters that share the consequences of sin. See, in our lives, we think to ourselves, well, what does one little, and you fill it in there, matter? But see, there's always consequences. Remember, the, nobody counts the cost. David indulged himself, but listen, he paid for it the rest of his life. See, there were many other people that suffered as well because of David's sin. So notice, I see that there are consequences to ourselves. I mean, there might be pleasure in sin for a season, but guess what? It's only temporary. Can I tell you this morning, it's not worth it? We see here that <clears throat> the consequences sometimes are to ourselves. Look what the Bible says in 2 Samuel eleven twenty-seven: When the morning was passed, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife, and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. It displeased God. 2 Samuel 12, verse 10, The sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. In other words, sin's consequence was a breach in the relationship that David had with God. And so the consequences are not only to ourselves, but notice we also see that there are consequences to others. You know, if we're going to regard iniquity in our hearts, then it's not only going to hurt us, it's going to hurt those around us. That's what happened in David's life. Look at this verse. The men of the city went out and they fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. The Bible says in, in 2 Samuel 12, 18, it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. What did that child do? Nothing. See, there's always going to be casualties. There's always going to be consequences to our sin. The list of those affected by David's sin, it's lengthy. It affected many, many people. David's sin resulted in numerous problems and many difficulties in his family. Look, a lot of times, and I know some of you have, have experienced this in your own life, but a lot of times I think to myself, when a husband and wife can't resolve and they can't get along and they, they can't, they can't you know, uh, forgive one another and so on, uh, oftentimes you know who is hurt the most is the children. The children didn't do anything. See, we need to think about sin. The Bible says, be sure your sin will finds you out. It's eventually going to catch up to you. And what David maybe thought would be a one-time fling, I mean, this everybody's gone, nobody will ever know, this one-time fling ultimately resulted in bloodshed, it resulted in tragedy, not only for David, but for his family and for his entire kingdom. I mean, listen, I don't even know if I'm doing justice to it, but I'm going to tell you, this affected so many people because of one sin that one man committed. See, it's important we understand the effects because for David, the rest of his life, 
He suffered for his sin. Others did too. Actions have consequences. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said this statement also. Listen, never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Never sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. Don't give in to those fleshly desires. It's not worth it. One example of this, <clears throat> how many of you guys have heard of um, uh, who, who, Dave Ramsey? Anybody ever heard of Dave Ramsey, financial guy? And some people like Dave Ramsey, some people don't. But Dave Ramsey, has, he, he, he promotes this and he talks about it often. And, it, and here's what, pe people buy things and they buy on impulse. And a lot of times they buy things and then after they bought it, they're like, why did I buy that? Do you know that's what most garage sale stuff is that you sell? Is just stuff that you bought in with impulse. And so Ramsey says, here's what you need to do. He says, you need to take your credit card and put it in a bowl of water and put it in the freezer. And he says, what will happen is, is that your, that bowl of water will become a solid block of ice and your credit card will be in the middle of that block of ice. And he says, then when you want, you have one of those urges to buy something. You go to get your credit card and you remember, oh, it's in the freezer. And by the time you either try to chip that away or you wait for it to melt, the, the desire to buy whatever it was has gone away. And I'm going to tell you, it's probably helped a lot of people to not buy things that they shouldn't buy. And you know what David should have done? David should have looked away. David should have never entertained. And I think about how many times we get ourselves in the same. Look, I, I, can't, I can't personally get all over David because we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. May God help us to not allow ourselves to frivolously be where we shouldn't be so that we'll sin and do something that ultimately will hurt our families and the cause of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you'd help us to heed the, the warnings and the admonition from the Word of God. Lord, help us to be people that would be vessels, meet for the Master's use. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.